afternoon, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Pesca Parisienne. I'm your co-host, Kelly, and as usual, I'm joined by the other co-host, Delara. Bonjour tout le monde. So today we are recording at Le Genie Café Bar, which is on Boulevard Beaumarchais, right next to Bastille. It's a nice little cozy place. We're seated at the terrasso and it's freezing it's cold. cold. Yeah. yeah. Before we start today's episode, can we ask you folks for a favor, please? Could you please give us a rating and a review on wherever you get your podcast? It would help us massively to get some visibility. So, today's topic, Delara, we are talking about renting apartments in Paris today. This has been a widely requested topic. Indeed. Um, and the reason being is that one of your biggest challenges uh, when you arrive in this city is finding an apartment, mm-hmm. like for sure. Paris being one of the, if not the most popular cities for students, expats, short-term stays, competition is stiff in this city. Rents are high and we want to talk to you about some of the practical advice that we wish we had known when we first arrived here. Um, we want to tell you a little bit about our own experiences mm-hmm. in um, finding our own little corners of the city. It's hard, expensive, time-consuming, and not a foreigner-friendly process. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, the waiter in this little bar also agrees. <laughs> there is also like no multi-listing websites to look for apartments. I'd say Jinka, which is an app that tries to gather all the listings together. Uh, however, they can still miss some. There is also Seloge.com and other similar website. And then there is also the traditional way of visiting real estate agencies, uh, which are called Agence Immobilier. Uh, and you can do that by visiting them one by one in the neighborhoods you would like to live in. Uh, moving into my current apartment, which is my third one here, I used all three of these methods and it took us about a month to find one and once you find the right one you really have to take it on the day on the spot otherwise someone else takes it so the process itself is literally a day but looking and visiting does take time so yeah I use most of those websites as well except for Jinka Mm -hmm. Um, and I found my um, apartment on Le Bon Coin which is like petit annonce and apartments and things. There's a lot of apartment lessons on there as well. But yeah, you're right, you have to be fast. So we will go more into how these visits go. However, we first wanted to start off by talking about setting your criteria right. Because from our personal experiences, unless you're very wealthy or Mm -hmm. lucky, Mm -hmm. your apartment of choice won't check all the boxes. You will have to prioritize some criteria over the others. So what can these criteria be? Well, first off, where do you want to live in Paris? Would you like to live within the peripheral highway or outside? Are you a left banker like Kelly or a right banker like me? (laughs) Well, let's have a deep dive on what that means. So yeah, the first thing you have to decide is, do you want to live inside Paris in one of the 20 arrondissements? Or do you want to leave across the Paris into like a suburb? So considering the first crown, which are these areas outside of Paris, which are still accessible by, by the metro, uh-huh. um, some of these are the ones that we both have friends living in and they have like a pretty decent mini city vibe about yeah. them. So places like Medan, there's also Nanterre, Boulogne, Easy Le Moulino, and the ones that are recently becoming like quote unquote chic bon I guess would be Montreuil, 
Pontin mm -hmm. and the Creme Lambicette. <laughs> if you're looking to live within the Perif, let's have a look at some of the most expensive arrondissements you can live in. Yeah. So basically, any arrondissement that has a, a world-famous landmark, <laughs> uh, high luxury shops and hotels, and lots of houseman-style architecture. <laughs> Those are your three signs that you're in an expensive arrondissement. <laughs> so the most expensive one is the seventh. Of course. Yeah, so that's where you'll find the Eiffel Tower, Anvalide, uh, Musée d'Orsay. After that, surprisingly, well, I find it surprisingly is the sixth, hmm. which is Saint-Germain and the Latin Quarter. Ah, oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes yeah. sense actually. It does, yeah, it would be an older part of the city, I guess. Third is the 16th, which is the Trocadero, but also leads all the way up until Boulogne. And then the next on the list is the 8th, which is where you would find the Champs-Élysées. Yeah. Yeah, so those are like your those are like your top four richest areas. Yeah. Well, living in these most expensive arrondissements is obviously going to cost you a lot in rent. The quality of life that you have within these arrondissements is obviously like higher as well. Yeah, and I think it's also important to mention that these expensive districts not only come with expensive rent, but expensive prices for basic needs like uh, shopping for groceries. So renting properties in these expensive neighbourhoods can actually cost more than thirty euros per square meter. We'll put a link to like a list of the arrondissements and the amount that you'll pay per square meter mm -hmm. for each of them. So let's have a look at a comparison between arrondissements and between suburbs. So the western suburbs, which wasn't all the ones that I mentioned before, but uh -huh. there are like western suburbs that are posh. Um, so there's schools there, there's leafy areas, you can rent houses and apartments. Um, there's also the possibility maybe of getting a garden yeah, if you're that's renting. Yeah, The more sort of quote-unquote undesirable areas um, were noted as places in the north actually, mm -hmm. like Saint-Denis and Aubervilliers. Uh, these are notable because of like their high crime rates. Saint-Denis, for example, is three times higher than the national average for crime. But also because there's like a large amount of social housing. Uh -huh. Now, I read this on an article and this article sucked. The whole tone of this article was just entitlement and snobbery. I, I'm not going to post it like on the show notes, but that was the attitude that they were given these lower area bonnes, uh -huh. you know, um, and saying that if you want to raise a family, it's better to go to these fancy west places. Yeah, I guess also those like northern banyas also tend to have a lot of density of population and immigration and they are underdeveloped due to funding. Yeah. So it doesn't surprise me these articles come out without actually showing the root cause of this. Yeah. So looking at prices, let's have a look at a studio in the 7th. It's probably going to cost you around um, 1400 euro average. That's a, lot that's, a lot, that's a lot for like a small studio and when we say a studio what we're talking about is like anything under like 25 square meters right yeah they can start around 750 euros mm -hmm. um in the 10th that can increase to 900 euro per month around the 11th you can get a bigger studio in the 12th for around the same price um so the further you move from central paris the more space Oh, you should have a cigarette. Ah, you want a cigarette? Yes, I want a cigarette. Oh, no, 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 it's not that. No, 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 no. So, the waiter just uh, bought a, a cigarette from me and he left like some money on the table. <laughs> I think I'm going to just give that back to him as a tip, yeah? Yeah, I know, I wouldn't take that. I wouldn't take that, you know. Yeah, he cannot leave his chef to, you know, go buy cigarettes, so... 
anyway, <laughs> these kind of exchanges <laughs> do happen very frequently in Paris, I find. Yeah. So, so yeah, we were talking about studio prices. Yeah, <laughs> we were, we were. So, um, uh, so let's have a look at some comparable rents for San Clue, which is a posh suburb. So a studio between like kind of 50 and 60 meters square would be about 1800 per month. A small studio, which as I said is under um, 30 square meters or 25 square meters, is between 800 and 900. In Saint Denis, something under 20 square meters would be less than 800 on average. Oh, okay. So there is quite a bit of a price gap between these Definitely. these northern suburbs and the western suburbs that we're talking about. Um, Oberville is the same. That's less than 20 square metres. It's between 500 and 600. Oh, wow. Which is very reasonable. Yeah, compared to Paris prices, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And where I am in the Kremlin, you would probably get about 25 metres squared between like 700 and 800 euro. You have to take all of this into account. You have to budget um, exactly. before you can actually make an um, informed decision as to where in Paris you want to be. Yeah, it's good that you said that actually because people keep asking, like you said we had a lot of requests on this episode, people keep asking which arrondissement should I choose? Honestly, if you don't have a family and if you're not in a couple and if you don't have uh, tons of money, you'd be stuck with a studio or a tiny pl one plus one in order to be central. That's the reality of it. Yeah. We already mentioned in the Parisian Life episode, if you have to commute to work, definitely make minimizing that commute your first criteria. Yeah. I also mentioned, like myself, personally I'm a city girl and I didn't mind being in a tiny space for about 10 years because for me being central is the key. Okay. Uh, in terms of keeping an active social life, daily shopping places, uh, going out to the gym and stuff, staying quite central but not paying high rent like the 7th, 8th or the 9th, I personally suggest 10th, 11th, 12th or even the 13th, but these, th this is my personal choice, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think like, yeah, your criteria matches that on these ones that you mentioned there, like absolutely, for uh -huh. sure. Um, so yeah, you have to not only take into account your budget, take into account the type of lifestyle that you want. Definitely. Yeah, do you want to live in a, in a sort of quieter residential area? Delara already said about the left bank and the right bank. Clearly there's a lot more life on the right bank. Is that what you want? Are you a Delara or are you a Kelly? <laughs> That's the question. So when you are looking at your budget, please take into account as well that you pay like a flat monthly payment and often your building charges will be included in that monthly payment. Yes, so these are called uh, le charge and sometimes you'd see ads that don't include this in the rent. So just be aware of these uh, additional charges. It's mostly for the maintenance of the common areas of the building and also if you've chosen an apartment which has collective heating, which means that you have no control on your own apartment's heating, then this will be included in the charge and it will obviously be higher. Oh man, um, chauffage collective, yes. one nightmare. You had one, right? Yeah, and when I was living in the 13th and it gets switched, it gets switched on. In, in like the end of November and it's already cold in October but then it doesn't get switched off until the middle of July when everyone is like sitting in 30 degree heat it's so inefficient and it's mm. so annoying <laughs> so when you're in, um, in the middle of doing this process not only is it important to budget for your monthly rent and whatever charges are included but you need to think about your agency fees as well mm -hmm. which are generally calculated per square meter but it should be maximum of like 15 euros yes. per square meter the agency at the start of this process will typically charge you um, a minimum of one month's rent 
They'll take the security deposit and they will take the administration fee up front. Mm -hmm. If you don't want to get scammed, basically for Paris, the fee of agency is 12 euros maximum per meter square. Then they carry out this état des lieux, mm -hmm. which is like sort of a check into your apartment. Right. And for that, they charge you three euros maximum per meter square. Right. So that's where the number 15 comes from. Mm -hmm. If you are being charged more than 15 euros per meter square, all included for these fees, by the current law in 2023, you are being scammed. They cannot charge you more than that by law. Right, okay. <laughs> like, the lad has got, her, got shaking her finger at the microphone. She, she means it. But they do it, Kelly. They do it for people who don't know illegally. What can it go up to? I mean, if it's going to be like a standard 15 euro, mm -hmm. like, what could they scam you out of, like, 30 euro per square meter? Could they scam you, like, up to 100? Is it like, you know, is this like... It wouldn't be up to 100, but it they would give you a ridiculous amount of price. Right, Yeah, okay. like, I don't know, 25 euro per meter square. Right, okay. Yeah. And, and these are actual, like, functioning agencies exactly, within the exactly. law, Exactly, yeah. exactly. And there's a process, like, really look this online. I did it once, that's how I know it. You can actually send them a letter saying that you've like charged me illegally. So right. if you don't reimburse me, I'm gonna take this to the justice, right, and okay. then they send you a check. All right. Okay. Well, what a waste <laughs> of everyone's time. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay. So we've talked about your location criteria that you want to set mm -hmm. yourself. We've talked about your kind of budget criteria that you have to think about exactly. all these things. The next thing, I guess, is think about the apartment itself. <laughs> yeah. um, so your, your first question, do you want to um, mobile versus non mobile So this is furnished or non-furnished, mm -hmm. basically. Again, this is a bit of a personal choice. You may pay more for a furnished apartment. Yeah. Personally, I think it's worth it. My, my apartment that I moved into, uh, that was fully furnished and it had useful things like a washing machine mm -hmm. because I was like well I'm not going to move into an unfurnished apartment and have to buy myself a washing machine not knowing how long I was actually going to stay there for yeah. so you kind of have to think about how much of a commitment are you giving to this apartment exactly. and how much do you want to buy your own white goods um, before you actually make that decision mm -hmm. for me furnished was the only option Another thing you might want to think about is your style of flat that you want to live in. The building I live in is, was built in 2010. It's quite modern, it's quite ugly. When you go into the entrance, it's like stairs down, it feels like you're in a swimming pool for some reason, <laughs> I've always thought that. It wasn't hugely high on the list on my criteria, but maybe there are people out there who just dream about maybe living in a houseman building, who want to have that, that charming spiral staircase, the wooden floors and the big windows and the high ceilings. Yes, if you want to live in an apartment like that, then put that on your list as, as criteria, but you will pay a lot more. Yeah. So the other thing about these uh, houseman builds are actually any older building in Paris mm -hmm. is to think about how hard they are to maintain mm -hmm. and also think about how much energy it consumes as well. These like really old buildings, you may, yeah. you may end up paying an awful lot for your utilities um, because they're not very efficient. And again, that comes down to budget. How much in your budget do you have for your utilities? Take that into account when you think about the type of building and the age of the building that you want to live in. Definitely. My current building, for example, is 1903, so it's not even a, like, an Osmanian building, and it's, it's old, yes, but it's not that old. Mm. And still, the energy levels on my apartment was F. The new law in France that will be applied as of January 2024 makes it illegal for landlords to rent apartments that are on energy level F. 
So it's the landlord or the agency's responsibility to make sure the apartment is visited by an energy diagnostic professional mm-hmm. uh, for determining uh, the energy level and they have to put that into the ad, which didn't happen in my apartment. So they, had, they did it afterwards and then we had to have some works done in the apartment so that it would move up to energy level E so that he can legally rent the apartment to us. And given that the electricity and gas prices will increase in 2024 in France, checking that energy level on your place may definitely help you save some money. You know, I walked past an agency and I saw a flat that was a G. <gasps> like, I was, I was thinking, does this flat even have a roof? <laughs> like, why is it at a G? Uh, so most apartments, furnished or not, will generally come with a couple of appliances. Like, you'll probably have a fridge in there. Um, and a stove to cook mm-hmm. on. That will probably be like your your minimum. You'll have a shower and toilet in separate places, if you're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> um, and um, a bathtub is an absolute luxury. I don't think I think I've only seen like maybe one or two apartments with them yeah. with baths in mine. it. mine. My current one has one, <laughs> and I was like, that was one of my criteria, and I never use it. Like oh, I no. don't know why I put it. I thought like I. It made me feel luxurious, yeah. but it's such a like a hassle to go into it. This shower and toilet in separate places. I knew a person who had a, an apartment in the seven thousand Dismal saloon, mm-hmm. and I asked him, "Look, why would you live in such a expensive area?" Mm-hmm. And he said, "Oh, I wanted a view on the Eiffel Tower." Um, so then I quizzed him a bit further, and he was paying like over two grand for this apartment in the 7th okay. and it was in one of those like you know you know we've talked about this before we talked about the housing buildings uh-huh. how the, the the quote unquote help used to live in the attic mm-hmm. and underneath those grey roof, roofs well that was where he was uh-huh. so this Chandable. yes so mm-hmm. this little space was like probably about 10 square metres mm-hmm. there was just a little long room with a bed and a kitchen along the wall but at the end of the kitchen was his toilet with like no curtain, no oh. separator, nothing. And I was in this apartment, I was like, I am not using that. <laughs> and then I looked out his window and I was like, so there isn't a view of, it, of the Eiffel Tower here. And he was like, oh, you kind of have to lean out. So you had to lean out to the left. <laughs> and I swear to God, it was like so close, right? I was like, that's not a view of the Eiffel Tower. That's just the bottom of the Eiffel Tower. <laughs> this guy could have lived anywhere in Paris for if he just, grand. for two grand that he was paying. Oh. And, and I was saying, like, you can get a view in the Eiffel Tower in a much bigger flat. If you want to see the Eiffel Tower, you can see it from anywhere. Why would you live here? I just, it just blew my mind. Yeah. And that was, like, his criteria. That was where he wanted to stay. But his toilet was in his kitchen, is my point. <laughs> um, I think, like, in some of these Champs de Bonne, there is not even a toilet. There is, like, a common toilet, like, when you stay in a host- ho- hostel. Yes. Uh, so maybe that toilet got built in later on <laughs> so that he, can, he doesn't have to leave the Chandrabon, like his apartment. It could be the case, but I also like saw some apartments, not in the 7th, that have a shower in the living room, like a little cube space. <laughs> so I, I don't think these things are legal, but I've seen these apartments. Yeah. And you were just talking about, the, um, uh, did this guy have a balcony? No. Or was it just a window? It was just a window. It kind of slanted out, so you could, you could kind of lean out, but it uh, wasn't like an actual balcony. Okay, okay, because like having a balcony is also a luxury in Paris. So a Parisian balcony uh, in the UK, I think it's called Juliette balcony because of the scene from the Ju- Romeo and Juliet. Okay. Uh, but here it's called balconette. 
I would say it's not a balcony. It's just a little tiny space. You cannot even fit in it. Uh. But it looks like an extended window. But they do call it a balcony. Okay. And in Turkish, there is a saying. <laughs> I I told you this one before. A ma- a man without a tummy looks like an apartment without a balcony. <laughs> <laughs> so, you told me that before. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, this basically means like we appreciate balconies and Turkish apartments and men with uh, a bit of a tummy, you know, a little bit meat around. Yeah, and that's his balcony. That's that's so cute. <laughs> yeah, I know you're like kind of bragging about your bathtub, but I have to brag a little bit about my terrace. Uh, you do have an actual balcony. I yes. do. Yeah. Yes. So I'm on I'm on the sixth floor. This this is something else worth mentioning. My my apartment is um, eighteen square meters on the inside, mm-hmm. and my terrace is six square meters. Yes, and you can be charged more per meter square for that. However, uh, important not to mention because this also happened to me too. Balconies, terraces. If you have a cow, does not count as espace habitat which means livable space. So if you are renting, let's say your apartment, 18 plus six, your agency can charge you for the fee of only 18 meter squares, not that additional six. And some agencies scam you by charging you that additional six meter square. So another couple of things you might want to take into consideration is what, um, what floor you want to live on. Um, so the, the ground floor or rue de chaussee, you might think, well, maybe that might not be too secure. Mm-hmm. I know, Delara, you're on the radio show, say, but it affords you that nice little area that you have outdoors. Yeah. Um, and you feel quite secure in the Yeah, in the I did floor. buy a security camera, though, just to be sure. Okay. So you can, you can do that or whatever floor you want to live on, but also be careful and check to see if there's a lift to help you move your stuff in <laughs> and also to help you, like, with your shopping or whatever. And, yeah, the fact that there may be no elevator but when there is one they tend to be super tiny and like more older apartments so actually like maybe two people can fit in maximum yeah Yeah. so talking about like typical places there are also a typical like atypic places which i'm a big fan of my current apartment is like that so you can have like courtyard facing apartments you can still be living in a boulevard but when you go inside that was like a couple of buildings that face the courtyard Mm -hmm. then it gets uh, a bit more quieter mm-hmm. and there are also these like apartments which have mezzanines in it mm-hmm. so um, these atypic places actually do not tend to rent out fast so you get a better competition in the race <laughs> and also one concept that uh, we wanted to talk about is in some of the buildings there will be like um, a concierge like a guardian and there's a lot of stereotypes attached to these people that they're them being like grumpy and not, not being nice to you quite impolite there is a book recommendation that i wanted to give it's called l'elegance de Hérisson, uh, the elegance of the hedgehog by muriel barbary it's a very well written novel that talks about this resident caretaker like the guardian who is an intellectual woman, but she hides her intelligence as a part of taking the role of her job, like fitting into the stereotype, uh, but a bit due to her arrogance as well. And she's this kind of grumpy intellect, like one of those characters from Dostoevsky novels. And it's a really nice little book if you want to know about like Parisian stereotypes, le bourgeoisie, as well as like, Uh, talking about class consciousness and stuff so I would totally recommend this book 
Okay, now we talked about a lot about the criterias. Now let's talk about the preparation. Yeah. And embrace yourself. This is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you have to prepare this thing that's called the dossier, which literally translates to a folder, and it is a folder, and it is a massive one. Normally, there are only three documents that the agencies and the landlords are allowed to ask you for. However, if you apply only with these three documents, the chances of you getting that apartment is quite low. Mm, yeah. uh, the unofficial list is full of uh, facultative uh, documents, like additional documents. And even though they say it's facultative, they're pretty much obligatory. So uh, we'll put the list of those in the show notes. Yeah, absolutely. The size of the dossier is insane. Mm-hmm. There's no way three documents are going to no. get you an apartment. Once you're a tenant in an apartment, unless you don't pay that rent for like a really long time, it's kind of hard to get evicted. Not that I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> um, the landlord can only evict uh, tenants if they're either planning to move in themselves um, or a close family member of theirs is moving in or if they're selling the place. Mm-hmm. This is one of the reasons why landlords really like to make sure that they're choosing the right tenant and they're choosing someone reliable who's going to actually pay. Yeah, uh, and another reason is that there is a law in France that protects the tenants from eviction. So the Allure law says from November 1st to March 31st, tenants cannot be evicted, even if they don't pay the rent. However, obviously, after March 31st, uh, you owe the landlord uh, uh, the late rent. Otherwise, you're getting evicted. So there is no credit score here in France like there is in the US. So this dossier is kind of your way of proving your financial stability. Also, landlords and agencies would like to make sure that there is a guarantor, like a garant, vouches for you by signing a letter that says if you're not paying the rent, then your garant will be paying it on your behalf. These are, again, not like legal written laws and regulations, but they are basically looking for you to be earning in net amount, not the gross amount, three times more than your rent and you're going to be earning four times more than your rent. Mm. In France, people mostly get their parents' help on this, and they're also asking the garant to be French too. So if your parents or someone you know is willing to be your guarantor, but they don't have the financial accounts in France, mm. then they cannot be your guarantor. Yeah. Again, not by law. Uh, There are now services for this. You pay them a monthly amount and who watches for you. And you can also lock some money in the bank and your bank can Mm. be your guarantor. Uh, We'll put those services in the show notes as well. Okay. It's a complicated process. Mm. Okay. So you you have your dossier. You've found the apartment that you want to go and see. So Mm -hmm. now you go and do your visit. Um, When you go on your visit, make sure that it's actually not just to see the apartment. Um, you know, talk to the person who's guiding you as mm-hmm. much as you possibly can. Um, ask questions about the area. Check out what's around you. Take a little walk around. See what commerce is available, and see what the transportation is like. Uh, I rejected a studio apartment, unfurnished, in the twelfth. That was quite reasonably priced because the road that it was on was absolutely uh. deserted. The metro was like a five-minute walk away, and I couldn't really imagine having to do that walk from the metro to my apartment at night alone. So it totally put me off. Uh, distance to metro stations in Paris definitely has an impact on the rent price. The closer it is, more expensive uh, your rent will be. Uh, yet, as you mentioned, Kelly, I guess this goes without saying, but have a stroll around the neighborhood you're considering to rent in. Some neighborhoods may not be on your list, but once you visited the area, you may find it charming. Yeah. 
So some listings stay for a few hours, so always go for a visit with your dossier ready before you actually hand it in as a hard copy. Now you can send it via email as well. Yeah, and if you're looking for a very central hip place with a low price, like my studio in Republic, yeah. it will be an adventure. I mean the visits. The ad for my previous studio was online only for two hours with about 200 applicants. So they did like an open visit for a two hour slot and I swear the line went all the way up to like, I don't know, like half a kilometer. We all went in, uh, left our application folder and left and that was it. It was like a gallery opening or something. <laughs> These cases do happen and I recently actually saw a reporting about this in the media outlet uh, Brut. Uh, but of course there are calmer experiences too. So. How was your dossier selected from all of those like couple of hundred that were put in? Yeah, I, I had to pull some strings <laughs> because I left that visit thinking I'm never gonna get in. There was a girl in front of me who had two garants, not just even one. Right. And I was like, there is no way I'm gonna get this apartment. Okay. Uh, but I had the ad sent to me through the relocation manager of the company that I was working at. Right. And the relocation manager of the company, no, like she was best friends with the agency. Mm. So the agency like, picked me yeah. I know it was a favor so knowing people is definitely important yeah like you're not wrong um, I mean we've talked about kind of methods of finding apartments mm -hmm. but sometimes it is who you know and who you network with in the city that actually makes all the difference so yeah definitely it's quite an unfair system because when you first move into France you got no paperwork you got no connections you, you have nothing to prove your status so this unofficial system really favors the French nationals who have wealthy family or friends or immigrants like us who uh, make who are like social butterflies who make good network and yeah. know people. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit of a problem for me right in the apartment that I'm in right now. There was like a, a huge delay. I put in my dossier, I'd mm -hmm. done my visit, I told the agent that I was um, had like very motivated to, to take the apartment and there was a huge delay and I was getting a little bit worried because I'd been offered that apartment in the 12th that I didn't want. Uh -huh. So I was then like, oh, do I actually reject this apartment? And then I get turned back for this apartment, which means I'm back to square one. Yeah. Um, or do I just follow my gut and hope that this guy comes back to me? So it was it was a bit of an emotional roller coaster. And like, you know, don't forget how stressful this can be as well oh. to like find these places. Yeah. You know, you build your hopes up and then it's like, oh, I didn't get it. The reason why there was such a delay on getting it, the agent uh, finally told me, which he shouldn't have, <laughs> that the um, owner was reluctant to rent it to a British person. Why? Apparently they had had difficulty with a previous tenant or in a different building with them collecting rent from and some Brit. And apparently that was my fault. So <laughs> All the Brits don't pay rent. That's no, like her generalisation yeah, of it. Nobody British <laughs> pays rent. Um, so yeah, they did have to take into account like a lot of factors for my dossier, which was solid. And my agent fought for me to get that apartment saying that they were actually being very unreasonable. This was like a private conversation with my agent and I probably shouldn't be broadcasting it on a podcast. <laughs> um, but these are the sort of stumbling blocks that you can come up against, which you, you might never find out about. You know, like how you talked about an emotional roller coaster this experience can be. When I first came here, uh, my company gave me an apartment, like a place to stay for a month. And then there was a relocation uh, manager, a different one, at that company that I was working at. And they told me that I had to rent in Versailles as they knew agencies there and my salary wasn't enough to afford rent in Paris. Okay. Uh, so I had to do the search myself. 
and my French wasn't good enough to talk on the phone yeah. with landlords. Yeah, that's tricky. Uh, and when my colleagues tried to help me, the minute they told the landlords that I wasn't francophone, the landlords either said the apartment was no longer available all of a sudden, or the rent price has increased, like from 700 to 2,000. So <laughs> a ridiculous amount. I met this one person years ago before coming to moving into Paris. So I actually knew one person in Paris because I always keep saying I didn't know anyone. I didn't know, like I met him in a bar. And it, if it wasn't for him, uh, I wouldn't be like him coming to apartment visits and actually offering to be my garant, which was like really generous of his part. Wow, like, yeah. Like who would do that for a girl they met in a bar? Yeah. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to get an apartment in Paris. So thanks to him, I got that apartment. And even with that, I got scammed in my first apartment and I was overcharged on the contract, indicated more meter squares than the actual place was. Ah, right, okay, so you yeah. still got scammed. Yeah, you're yeah. like a fish out of water when you yeah. first move in. You don't check everything. This is why we're doing this episode, so mm. that you like think of these things. So there's some alternatives to renting your own apartment, which probably wouldn't be quite as attractive for you. Mm-hmm. But you could think about cohabitation, you know, a bigger apartment, split the rent, Mm-hmm. living with people it would never be a thing I would ever do so cohabitation isn't just like you know seven people living in a big house if someone has a spare room in their apartment you can rent that room yeah but what to look out for there but please pay attention to um, creepy men who just want to have young women live in the apartment with them that is a thing it does mm-hmm. happen and just be really careful as to who you want yeah. to move in with they even post the ad saying that free room available as we said before, it's sometimes always about who you know and the luck that just kind of yeah. falls on to you. So, and then there's also like an Airbnb, like a short-term let. I know there are other websites, it's not just Airbnb that offer short-term lets, but the thing I've noticed about them is that they are like way more expensive yeah, than, than what you would pay if you just had like a rent and the apartment was yours. Definitely. And there's also the subletting option, but since Airbnb came into the picture, there are now some new laws around this. We really don't know much in detail, so definitely do your research before you get your place through subletting. But we know a common friend who found her place through sabbatical homes. So I'll just we'll just put that in the show notes if you are interested in subletting. But know that that won't be like a long-term solution. Well, congratulations, everyone. You've now found your apartment in Paris. Um, so a few other things that you have to know about. Assurance d'habitation is obligatory. Your building contents insurance. Again, put that into your budget when you're thinking about mm-hmm. um, getting a, a, an apartment. And then also think about the relationship you might have with your landlord. Do you, do you have a relationship with your landlord? Um, at the moment a buyer-seller relationship um, <laughs> but no I've never met my landlord and I never met any of my landlords ah okay so in the first one I didn't know they were not even living in like uh, mainland France but the last two I do and I think it's kind of nice to have mm. that relationship because like when something happens sometimes like agencies are just really uh, shitty about solving your pl- problems and I know they pay the agencies to do these things uh, but yeah, I, I find it important to have that personal relationship, if you can. Yeah, and you did talk about like the uh, assurance uh, d'habitation. There is also the fact that 
when you check in, we talked about this like état de lieu that is done by your agence immobilier, and they can be crazy detailed. They take photos of everything. Do that yourself as well. Otherwise, when you are leaving the apartment, and if something is broken, and if you cannot prove that it wasn't you who broke it, it comes out of your deposit. Yeah. So just take good care of your apartment. I think this goes without saying. It's usually written into your contract that you can't paint walls or hang shelves without your owner's permission either. So stuff like that, just yeah. just um, bear that in mind mm -hmm. as well. And this was news to me because in Turkey, majority of the time, it used to be like this. When you move into an apartment, you have to do all the painting yourself as a tenant, whereas here it's on the landlord. Yeah. Um, the other thing you'll need to know is no matter where you live in Paris, no matter how much rent you're paying, you will hear your neighbours doing everything. The walls are thin. Yeah. So when we say everything, we mean DIY, singing, sex, having sex, yeah. exactly, everything. Okay, so it's just <laughs> you have to get used to that. It's just part of city life here. So Delara, do we have a quote today? Yes, we do. So it is uh, from Augusta Amiel uh, Lapeyre. She said, the one who puts a nail in their apartment where they settle always believes more or less to fix happiness. It's, it sounds a little bit like the expression, like wherever you hang your hat, it's your home. Yeah, I chose it because uh, renting an apartment, we went through these like practical information, but eventually it is home, right? It, it, making Paris your home, your apartment is a big part of it. So that's why I, I chose this. It's a lovely quote, yeah. So there it is, that's it for today's episode of Presque Parisien. I hope that you have found this episode informative and entertaining. Mm -hmm. So as usual, you can hit us up on Instagram and you can email us um, with your comments, feedback and suggestions. And actually, if there's anyone listening in Paris, if you guys have some stories about renting apartments in Paris, we would love to hear from you guys too. Please don't forget to rate us and uh, review us on whatever platform you're listening to us on. It would really help us a lot with visibility. And thank you to everyone who's already contacted us um, in the last few weeks. Merci beaucoup. Thanks everyone. Ciao. À la prochaine.